again, everyone. Welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, sponsored by the North Jersey Vipers Softball Club, the longest-running softball club in Bergen County and one of the premier programs in all of New Jersey. If you or your daughter or someone you know is looking to play high-level softball for an elite club team, visit their website at NorthJerseyVipers.com. All right, we're hitting the MAC conference on this episode, a little MAC attack. And if you follow the MAC conference, you'll agree. It's the most wide open it's been in years. One team that's playing as well as any team in the MAC right now is Fairfield. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast for the first time, the interim head coach of Fairfield, Chris Casey. Chris, thanks for coming on and happy holidays to you. No, no problem, Brian. Thanks for having me and happy holidays to you too and your fans. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. And Coach, listen, you're going through a nice stretch here, uh, but let's go back, right? A uh, little rough start. The team was 1-6 and six after opening MAC play on December 1st. You lost, you know, to a tough team in Iona and Tobin Anderson, and then something suddenly clicked. Uh, you won three games in a row on the road. You won at Ryder. You won at Yale. You won at Sacred Heart. Three teams that were all predicted first in their conference. Let's take one by one. And, and, you know, what was your message to the team going into that, that first game against, against Ryder, you had lost two games, two days earlier against Iona and you're, you're playing a very tough Ryder at team at their place. How were you able to pull that off? Well, I, I think a couple things. Um, firstly, uh, our timeline, I think is a little different than, than most other teams. So, when we got started with this and, and um, this change happened, that, that was back in the middle of October, and we were literally 11 practices away from starting the season. Um, and, and as a coach, you, uh, I had to evaluate, you know, how much I was going to change, how much I was going to keep without, you know, really having guys head spin. Um, and we did some really – we were doing some really good things – we just, you know, I think you have to coach what you're comfortable with. So it doesn't make one way better than another. It's just different. And um, so I kind of made a decision a couple of practices in that I'm I'm going to go with what I what I believe and what I what I'm comfortable with. And you know, those changes take time. And then when you also factor in uh, that we had probably five potential starters out with injuries at that point, uh, Caleb Fields was out, uh, Jalen Leach was out, Bryson Goodine was out. Uh, we still had Barima Sec out. Um, we're, we're still working on getting Alexis Yenta back. Uh, so we got a significant amount of, of guys out. Um, so, you know, our, our timeline's a little different. First, we have to uh, kind of learn what we're doing. And then secondly, we got to trickle these guys back from injury because they're important guys. Um, so we're starting to get some guys back from injury. Uh, we're starting to we're starting to uh, have a little bit better of an understanding of what we're trying to do offensively and defensively. And my message, you know, uh, is, was the same in the Ryder game as it was every other game. It's, it, you know, keep playing hard, stay together. Don't bring any negative around me. I don't want any negative around me. I'm looking for right now guys competing hard, playing hard, believing they can win, being for each other. Um, and that's going to result in good things over a period of time as we get guys back from injury and as you guys begin to absorb a little bit more of what we're trying to do offensively and defensively and how we want to play. Um, 
And that Ryder game uh, kind of got us moving forward uh, with a W. And, um, you know, our guys did a really good job of just staying the course and they reaped the uh, benefits from it. And, you know, we have to continue to do the same thing. Our foundation has to be that playing hard, playing for each other, attitudes right, um, enthusiasm, energy. That gives you a chance to win. And then the other things you'll get right over time. So, you know, the message was no different. It was it was simply part of the progression, I think. So for those fans, now I'm going to backtrack, Coach, and, and go back to the beginning, go back to August, because this is important for fans out there who, who aren't familiar with what happened at Fairfield. The head coach, Jay Young, was in place. Everything was uh, looking forward to another season at Fairfield. And then three weeks before the start of the season, Jay Young unexpectedly steps down and you're named interim head coach. Now, you, you've been a head coach before on many levels at LIU uh, Post and then, um, you know, obviously at Niagara most recently. So uh, how much did that catch you by surprise? And and how did you prepare to go from interim, to go from assistant coach to head coach in such a short period of time? Because you alluded to that a little bit with the practices. Yeah, I think, you know, it did, it did catch everybody by surprise. It, it wasn't something that anybody expected, um, you know, and, and Jay's a, a, an outstanding coach and also a great person, you know. So um, they asked me to fulfill that role. And, you know, part of it was an easy decision because I I, I want a coach and I need a job. Um, <laughs> and, and I also liked the guys on his team and I wasn't going to walk away from them because of, you know, how hard they've worked. Um, then the hard part of the decision is you're going to be doing it without people um, who who you have longstanding relationships with who are now not there anymore. So that part has been difficult. Um, but honestly, th there was nothing other than saying, you know, to our teammate, the season's happening with or without us. There's, they're going to play the games. They're going to go forward with the season. And we might as well participate. We might as well participate with energy and effort and, you know, our attitude's right. And, you know, move forward. I think the biggest thing was to try to keep continue to move everything forward. Um, and our guys have done a good job with that. So so that was really, you know, when I when I assumed the role, I really just kind of, you know, just flick, tried to flick a switch in my head and tried to say, all right, you got to, you know, you got to make some decisions now about how you want to play, who you want to play with, and, and you got to keep guys motivated on the same page. And that's kind of what I stuck to. So how much of Coach Young's system did you keep in place offensively and defensively? And how much did you try to install your own offense or defense? Um, we kept a few things, um, but I, I really kind of uh tried to implement as much as as um as much of my stuff as I wanted to. Hmm. Um as as I, I, I just felt I think you're better coaching your own philosophy and your own stuff. And that, like, again, I want to stress that doesn't make one way better than the other and one way right and one way wrong. It, it doesn't. It's just different. And I always think it's hard uh, to coach somebody else's stuff as a head coach. I think you have to coach what you believe in and play the way you believe. Um, I think you'll coach better doing that. So, you know, a couple practices in, I kind of made that decision and, and you know, we move forward. But – that's this kind of stuff that coaches are doing over the summer, right? With 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 summer practices and and going through things like that, I would think. So in some ways, coach, it's you know now the middle of December, you're you're kind of playing catch up, like you said. Is that is that fair to say that 
that you're almost caught up to where you, you want to be? Yeah, I, I don't know that we're almost caught up. And honestly, I don't even pay attention to that part of it. I just okay. think, you know, uh, our guys and, and our staff just realize our timeline's a little different. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. So you have to accept it, embrace it, and work with it. And, um, you know, our, uh, our, our guys are starting to get a little bit more of what we're trying to do. We still have a couple more guys. We've got to trickle back from injury. Bring a sec. Got a few minutes in a Sacred Heart game. And, you know, it's going to take him a couple of weeks to get his legs under him. And, and we're still trying to get Alexis Yenta back, too, uh, who can contribute a lot to us. So, you know, that continues to change our timeline. And that's why I say I, I'm just stressing right now. Obviously, you want to win every game. But, you know, what we're really stressing is just keep playing hard. Play for each other. Just, you know, keep your attitudes right. Play aggressive. Play, you know, that that type of basketball. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that'll help us. Uh, just stay positive and keep trying to uh, move forward. And I, I think we're starting to get a little bit of what I'm trying to get across. We still have, you know, a way to go with it, but I, I think we're starting to get a little bit of it. So, I mean, talk about a chip in your in your pocket there. A a a major contributor potentially if Alexis Yetna can ever get healthy. Uh, people listen to the podcast. Seton Hall fans. Big East fans know Alexis Yetna very well from his his year there in South Orange, but he hasn't played in, I guess, two seasons because of knee injuries. Is he close to returning? Can he suit up this year and help this team? At some point, he will. Um, right now, we're, we're still a few weeks away from getting him on the court. So my hope is after January 1st, you know, we'll, we'll see some of him in practice, uh, maybe just non-contact initially. Um, but our trainers are doing a great job with him rehabbing him, and he's working really, really hard. And he wants to be on the court yesterday. You know, he's that mm -hmm. kind of kid. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, he's got, got to go through some things before he can get on the court. And I don't want him back till he's healthy. You know, I don't want to put his, his health at risk. And uh, when he does come back, I want him to be able to be himself and play. Um, so I, I would rather have it, you know, be an extra week or two and get that part right than, than rush him back. Boy, I mean, what, what a chip that would be. So, so we wish him, uh, a full recovery, and and it would be great to see him back on the court and and helping the Stags as you get ready for conference play. So, Coach, uh, the big win over Yale that that's obviously another Fairfield County, uh, you know, rivalry, long time history with them, and then Sacred Heart. Um, you know, where's the confidence level of this team right now? There's a lot of good guards on this team. You have good size. Uh, you know, how is this team's mentality now that you've won three straight and and you're going into the Wagner game on Saturday? Um, I, I think that, you know, just naturally they're going to play with a little more confidence because they've they've gotten a couple wins. Um, honestly, though, their approach in practice has not changed. Uh, you know, if you came and watched us practice four weeks ago, uh, you would see the same type of energy uh, and effort and enthusiasm that you see right now. So, that part of their approach hasn't changed, uh, but I think what they are is a little more confident uh, in what they're doing. Again, because, you know, timeline, we've progressed a little bit, so they got a little bit more understanding. And, and you know, naturally you win a couple games. It's going to make you feel a little bit more confident individually and collectively. You've got some good guards. You know, Jasper Floyd had a big-time performance against Yale 25, and Jalen Leach and Caleb Fields and Brian Goodine. Talk about them a little bit and what they mean to your team. Yeah, I love our guards. Um, you know, all four, if you line up all four of those guys, you line up Bryson, you line up 
uh, Jalen Leach, Caleb Fields, and Jasper Floyd, they've all scored 20-plus in games. Um, so they're all capable. Um, uh, you know, I always think guards win the games, you know, and that doesn't mean you don't need other positions and you don't need other guys to contribute, but, you know, guards win the games. And, you know, this most recent win, um, I thought the guy that had a huge impact on it also was Louis Bleachmore. Uh, Louis' defense and rebounding in that game, and he, he almost had a double-double in a game. Uh, he did a great job on on Nico Gallette, who's an outstanding player. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, he's another guy that's contributing to us. Uh, but those four guards, I think, are very good. And I think in the end, you know, in, in this level of basketball, the guards win the games. You have to have good guards uh, that can make plays on, on both ends of the floor. And I, I really like those guys. And, I, you know, I, I've said to them they have to be – uh, very connected and very much for each other because just the the, the way it's always going to unfold is it's going to be a different guy, different nights. And, you know, Jalen's got to be as happy for Caleb when he has a big night as Caleb will be for Jalen when he has a big night. Um, and that's the way they need to operate. And they've done that. So they know I trust the decisions. They know I trust what they do on the court and I want them to go make plays. And I think, I think they're doing some of that right now and, and we need them to continue to do it. I was looking up and down your roster then. And, and, you know, it's always good to have local talent. And I know some of this talent's young, but, you know, from the tri-state area, from New York, and, you know, even going up to Saratoga region to get a guy like Peyton Smith, a couple of freshmen, one from Ellington, Connecticut, played at Northwest Catholic, Matt Curtis. Uh, Joe Ganton is a name that struck out at me from West Essex High School here in New Jersey. And his dad and I went to Seton Hall. Mark is a great guy, and he and I... He and I had some great intramural games together at Seton Hall, uh, and he was excited that his son was going to uh, Fairfield. So how about assembling local talent, and did you have a hand in in getting some of these guys in there? Well, um, there's there's so many good basketball players on this Northeast corridor. I mean, I, I think just where we're located, you naturally have to recruit that area hard. Um and we've been fortunate to get a few of them. And we're going to continue to work that and try to get those guys from the Northeast Corridor. Um, but, excuse me, recruiting now is, it's national. You know, mm -hmm. so you can get guys from everywhere. So even though we got some Northeast Corridor guys, we got Barima Sek, who's from Senegal, and you got Alexis Yenta, who's from France. And, <laughs> you know, there's uh, Jasper Floyd is from Florida. Um, so you really just have to, you got to find guys that, you know, can play the way you want to play and they work and they're good guys. You know, um, that's so important, just like it is in any business. You're only going to be as good as the people around you, um, no matter how knowledgeable you are or how hard you work. If you don't have good people in that endeavor, you're going to struggle. Um, and, and I think that's part of obviously the recruiting process. You got to have good people. They got to be talented. They, mm -hmm. they got to want to work and they got to be good people, too. So you have your another tough challenge on Saturday against Wagner. And and I was talking to your last opponent there, Anthony Latina, and he had high praise about your guards. And I bring him up because Anthony said to me, he goes, at this level, low major, mid-major, you know, there are no buy games. You know, you, you're, you're battling. It's like you're playing your, your conference games all the time. Um, so I give you credit for the, the schedule that you guys had, you know, going out and scheduling a Rhode Island, uh, going out and scheduling a Wagner, who is a very challenging team in the Northeast Conference. So what is that challenge going to be 
going up against Donald Copeland's team. You know they're going to play defense, and and you know it's going to be you know like getting a root canal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be fun. You know, they Donald does a great job with his teams. They play extremely hard. Uh, they're going to defend you. You know, they fight you for for every everything. They fight you for every cut, every screen, every ball screen, uh, and that's that's great for us. You know. Um, you know, I want to play teams like that that are going to get after you and play hard because I want to get after you and play hard. Um, so I, I, it's obviously going to be a challenge. I think, you know, I've watched them on tape. Uh, they definitely defend uh, and they play extremely hard and they come at you. So uh, it, it's going to be a good basketball game. If you're a college basketball fan, you should come out and watch it because it's going to be two teams that are going to play hard. And, you know, as I said, Donald's team is always well coached. So uh, we're looking forward to it. I, I think it's going to be a fun game to to coach in, and I think it's going to be a fun game to play in. And after playing those last three games on the road, it's it's great to be back at home in your environment. You talk about guard play, Coach, uh, how important guard play is, and and you've got four great ones. They have two pretty good ones as well, and Melvin Council Jr. and Zaire Williams. What what stands out about them on tape? Um, I have to watch a little bit more of them, um, but you know they're both very physical players. Uh, they get the ball to the paint. Um, you know, they get to the foul line. They're aggressive offensively. Uh, you know, we're going to have to do a good job of just keeping them in front of us, finding them in transition, um, and guard them without fouling. I think that's important because the way both those guys play, they could get to the foul line six, seven, eight times in a game. So you got to be able to guard them hard without putting them on a foul line. Excellent points. Coach, good luck in that game. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about your your journey, Coach. It's it's quite a bit from, from your days as a player and captain at Western Connecticut State University, Westcon Division III, um, out in, in Danbury, Connecticut, and then and then you coach there. And I bring that up because, you know, that's how you got your start in coaching. And you coached a uh, former high school teammate of mine at South Catholic and Eddie Quick. And you had some good years at, at Western Connecticut, and how did that pave the way for your coaching career? Well, I've been, um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, and I, I mentioned about being around good people, and, and I've just been very fortunate to be around some really good people uh, and have some some uh, good coaches give me an opportunity to coach with them. Um, my, my first opportunity to coach was uh, – I was a GA at Central Connecticut when they first went from Division Two to Division One. Bill Dietrich was the head coach then, and yeah. uh, CJ Jones was an assistant. Uh, Mark Ribzik's dad, Dave Ribzik, was an assistant. Um, Mark later coached with me at, at uh, CW Post in Niagara. Um, so, you know, I've just been fortunate to be around a lot of good people. Him, uh, Bob Campbell, who I played for at Western Connecticut, who's who's been nothing but helpful to me uh, for many, many years. Um, working with Ted Fiore, Howie Dickerman, uh, Norm Roberts, who's out of Kansas. I, I've just been lucky to be around some good people. Um, so I basically started as a GA at Central. And I'll give you a quick funny story on that. I was, I was, um, I was a business major. Um, I was a management information systems major also, which for anybody that doesn't know, that's the beginnings of computer science. So <laughs> that's going back a little ways. <laughs> um, but I graduated. I had a, uh, an internship at Ethan Allen, which was in Danbury at their corporate headquarters, and it kind of morphed into a full-time job. And that first summer that I was out of school, um, my father, who uh, was in the Army, 
and never had an opportunity to go to college, but got in the ground floor of IBM uh, in the mailroom and kind of worked his way up. He was a guy commuting every day to a, you know, corporate job. And I, I said to him one day in the summer, I like, Pop, I don't know if I can do this every day. And he mm -hmm. said, do what? And I said, I don't know that I can sit in a cubicle every day and, and work. I don't know if I can do that. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to coach. You know, I want to get into college basketball. Um, you know, I had done a bunch of things with my high school team and run, you know, Saturday basketball programs for young kids. And I said, I want to coach. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll help you where I can. He said, just make sure you have a plan B to it. Um, so I wrote, at that time, it was probably 220 Division One schools. Now there's like 350 plus. Um, and there was no internet. So I went to the library. I got everybody's address. There you uh, go. Hand, hand wrote all the envelopes, put my resume in there and asked for a job, graduate assistance job. That was the, you know, that was the entry level position. When you went to the and, library, did you get like the Dewey Decimal System or yeah, going microfilm yeah, yeah. and microfiche? Or did? those little mini drawers and trying to, <laughs> yeah. you know, the whole, the whole nine. But um, <laughs> anyway, so um, I wrote them all. I got some funny replies back. Uh, one of the funnier ones was from, uh, and somewhere these letters are all sitting oh. My mother's house. Yes. Uh, Dean Smith at uh, North Carolina. You wrote so, Dean Smith. Yeah, I wrote everybody, you know, <laughs> Jerry Tarkani and everybody. So his reply was, uh, we're in receipt of your uh, application to coach at North Carolina. We we uh, save these positions for our former players. However, I will keep your resume on file with the 1,000 other resumes I have. <laughs> of coaches that wish to coach in North Carolina. Oh my God. So I, I read that and I said to myself, thanks for the encouragement that Dean, I, I appreciate it, but. Um, Get in line, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I was able to land a, a graduate assistant position very late at Central Connecticut. Uh, Dave Ribzik, you know, basically sought me out and, and helped me out with that. And, um, you know, it kind of just went on from there and there was a bunch of stops along the way from there. Yeah. Look, Norm Roberts and St. John's. I mean, I mean, there's a, you know, a great uh, step for you there. What was it like, you know, coaching and recruiting in the Big East under Norm? Um, that was that was an honor to be there, to be honest with you, because, you know, when I was growing up, I was a, a big I'm from New York. So, yeah, where, where from? Um, I was born in Brooklyn, uh, spent some time there, lived in Queens, um, moved, my family moved back to Connecticut when I was in high school. They moved up to Connecticut. My father's job was transferred. He moved to Armonk and White Plains, so we moved. After I got out of college, I moved back to Brooklyn. I lived in Greenpoint, uh, uh, Williamsburg area for a long time. I lived okay. in Jersey City. So I've been kind of around a tri-state area um, for the most part. But, you know, having an opportunity to, to coach at St. John's, um, that place was like church to me. You know, you would watch yeah. those Big East games on Channel 11, you know, or Channel 9, WOR. And yeah. It was really the only game that was on. And Mike Gorman and yeah, Len oh, Berman. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, it got you a chance to to watch those teams. And, I, you know, to go there and coach was great. And Norm is, is a terrific coach. You know, to be able to work for him was – I really enjoyed that. And uh, I worked with Glenn Breaker, who's now with me here at Fairfield. I'm really happy to have him with me. So the basketball world's a very small world, yeah. but that was, uh, I, I really enjoyed my time at St. John's. That was, that was an honor to be there. Yeah. I mean, you know, Joe Lapchick and, and Louis Karnasek and legends who, yeah. who have been there and, and just being in that arena. I mean, yeah. it's still, 
Hey, Bob, Rick Pitino. Bob Shepard was the PA announcer for a long time. That, that was just some great names, you know, the, around the that, vo that voice of God right there. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's very cool. Uh, one of the stops you had coach was, was right in New Jersey in the end, Jack, you coached at Rutgers, Newark and for three years and, and that's good basketball, right? I mean, you were there at a time. I looked this up from 98 to 2001, correct? Yes. Which was the same time that a player by the name of Horace Jenkins yeah. was at William Patterson. And that was just, you know, the division three national player of the year, I think two or three times. How about going, who played for the Detroit Pistons? Oh, Pistons, by the way, yeah. Charles Brown at NJCU, some legends of coaching and yeah. Jose Rabimbas got Horace Jenkins over at William Patterson. What was it like coaching in the end, Jack? And then having to go up against Horace Jenkins, you must've been like, is this guy serious? I mean, this guy's a division one player and, and I got to figure out how to get my guys to stop him. Yeah. That, that was, that's, it was a great league. It's still a very good league. Yeah. Um, and coach Brown, by the way, you mentioned his son was a heck of a player in, in the Mac Mark Brown. He, he was very, very good. I was at St. Peter's with Ted Fiore when he was in the Mac, uh, -huh. uh at Siena. So, uh, but yeah, the end Jack. So I think the, the thing with the end Jack at that time, there was no division two schools in New Jersey. And there were also no NAIA programs. There were programs, but they weren't scholarship programs in New Jersey. So if you were in Jersey, you basically played division one basketball mm -hmm. or division three basketball. So you had some great, great teams. William Patterson was one Montclair state was very good. Um, this is down in, uh, it used to be, it, it was Glassboro state at the time. Now right, it's now Rowan college. Yep, that was, yep. that was a great pro, um, you know, just some really, really good programs. And, um, the league was extremely competitive. And, uh, as you mentioned, I was there three years. We played against Horace Jenkins all those years. In fact, my third year, um, we started to get pretty good. We we actually made the the postseason ECAC tournament that year, which is kind of the Division Three equivalent of the NIT. Right. Um, so uh we had a bunch of good games. And we were we were early in I remember early in the NJAC season, we were ranked in the region uh fairly high. I want to say we were like fifth or something, because we got gotten off to a really good start. And now we're playing William Patterson at home uh, early in the season. I think we had a couple wins in the league. So this was really like an, an early season first place game. And um, for lack of a better way to phrase it, he kind of torched us. So he, uh, <laughs> he was just, he was a uh, not a level above the league. He was three, four levels above the league. He was just really, really good. But I really enjoyed coaching that league. There was some some really, uh, you know, Chuck McBreen up at Ramapo. Yes, boy, really, really good coaches. He was he was scoring ninety points a game. Yeah, he was, really, he was, really. He good was like it was like that. playing the old Loyola Marymount, right? Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that. So it was, it was a good group, good group of guys in that league, coaching wise, and some very good players, and it was very competitive. So and now, great stuff, coach. Great stuff. I mean. Listen, Horace Jenkins ended up, you know, battling in practice against Chauncey Billups and, and Rip Hamilton and, you know, Rasheed Wallace with the Detroit Pistons. He had he had a cup of coffee in the NBA. That tells you how good he was um, as as a player. And you had to try to guard him. So no, no, no shame there, coach. When you look at the Mac now, you talk about conferences. All right. Uh, how do you assess the Mac this year? When I said it's as wide open as ever, um, you've been around this league now for what, at least 10 years. So what is your assessment of the league two games in um, as you have a pause in conference play? Yeah. So this will be my 
18th year coaching in the Mac, either as an assistant or head coach. So uh, the league, I love this league. You know, first of all, I love guard play. So I'm a fan of the league just based on that because it's been a great guard league over the years. Um, and then the league itself is, is always very, very competitive. You know, you, there's a lot of leagues. If you're in the top three, you can look at the bottom two and say, all right, well, we're just going to show up and win those games at the bottom three. And that's not the case in this league at all. I mean, John Dunn, who um, uh, didn't have a great finish to the season, ended up getting his team last year to the championship game. Mm -hmm. And now they're off to a very good start. And he's a terrific coach. And, you know, it just kind of shows you what the league is about. Like, you you can't – you've got to show up and play or, you, or you're going to get beat, whether it's a team with a poor record or a team with a great record. Um, so the league is very, very good. As far as this year goes – I don't it, – it's kind of early for me to say wide open, not wide open, who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. Uh, I, I'm very much a day-to-day -day guy, so I, I really – and I haven't seen the, the MAC teams a lot. Um, you know, I, I watched a little bit of, uh, of the Quinnipiac game against Yale. I watched, you know, a little bit of St. Peter's last night. They played UMBC. Yeah. But I'm not really watch-watching it. You know, I'm just kind of getting a little bit of a feel at this point. Um, and I'll get much better feel, obviously, when we start playing them. But I, I think the league is going to be very good again. Uh, and I think it's going to be the same as it's been historically. Anybody beats anybody. And if you got to get your team playing well late in February and you got to try to get one of those buys in a conference tournament, you know, our league historically, the number one seed doesn't win it a lot. It's always one of those teams that gets that buy in the top five. So, you know, that that's something you, you aspire to is get that by and put you in position to maybe have a chance to, to uh, get to the championship game. Yeah. You know, j just ask, you know, Ryder when they had Jason Thompson, I believe they were the number one seed and either them or CN at the time. Right. And uh, you know, Rick Pitino, he didn't win it every year with Iona and Monmouth when they were in there. So, you know, St. Peter's won it with, I think they were probably the four seed, if I'm not mistaken, when, uh, when Shaheen Holloway went. So, you never know in this league, and and it's, yeah. but that's the thing in a one bid conference, coach. Um, how grateful are you to be in this position right now? You know, you you've had quite a resume as a head coach, as an assistant coach, and now you find yourself in the head coaching position again. How how grateful are you to be here? And uh, what are your goals the rest of the way? I'm I'm extremely grateful. Um, you know, to be coaching. I, I think it's a, a a really noble profession. I mean, I, I love being around the young people. I love coaching college basketball. Um, you know, I, over the years, there's always a few things that creep into it that maybe, you know, change it a little bit. But the the foundation of it is being in the gym, coaching basketball, watching film, trying to develop strategies. How do you get your team better? How do you get your players better? How do you beat somebody? Um, I, I love that stuff. I love it. And um, I'm a basketball guy and I love the basketball part of it. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I feel really grateful to, to be able to continue to coach. And I feel grateful to be around the guys that I'm around, not only on the staff, but on the roster. And, you know, I, I said this the other day in the locker room, I think our, our guys, they're young, so they don't completely realize, you know, I come to practice every day. I, I have energy juice. I'm, I'm after it, but these young guys also don't realize, you know, to an extent, you also carry me, you know, because you come to practice every day. You let us coach you. 
you're enthusiastic, you have very good energy. So you're also carrying me and you're also carrying the staff to some degree. Um, and I, I don't know that they realize that. So I'm just grateful to be around that um, uh, and, and to be able to coach. Hey, it's all about the competitiveness in you, the relationships and, and, and being around the guys, the team in the locker room, molding them, trying to work together towards something. I, I, I appreciate that. I envy a lot, you know, of what you do. And um, last question I want to ask you, coach, and thanks so much for taking time out of your week uh, to come on the podcast. You know, I'm sure you have some trophies around or some pictures up on the wall. Is there anything, any moment in your career that you, you often look up at and smile and, you know, are most proud of? Um, I'm bad at that. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not trying to write I, your obit coach. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it just came to mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm bad at that. And you know, I, I don't hang a lot of stuff on the walls. In fact, there's nothing hung up in here right now. Yeah. And, if they could see, if, if the fans could see the video here, I see some cabinets, I see some blinds and a yeah. white wall. There, there's yeah, zero. I, I mean, zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not good at that. I, I mean, I I'm sure at some point you'll look back on some of the things and say, oh, oh well, I was able to do that, you know. And but you know, this is very much a, a we project. It's not an I project. You need you're you're in a team situation, both with your staff and your your players. Um, so anything that anybody accomplished, I think, belongs to each person. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not really good at that. There, there's no real specific moment that, um, that I can say, Hey, that's my proudest moment. Cause mm -hmm. I never look at them that way. I, I think my proudest moment is I'm on my 38th year of coaching college basketball. And I, I feel like I'm 25 coaching college basketball and I'm happy about that. I'm really happy that I can, you know, maintain myself, get in that gym, work every day, get after people, you know, and, and, and do it with a great energy level. That that's probably the thing I'm I'm most happy with when I evaluate myself. Um, you know, I I would give you that one if that makes sense. No, it it, uh, it does, Coach, and 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 I respect that a lot. You know, I could hear it in your voice. It's the first time we're meeting, and you know, we I, I tried to connect a lot of dots with the coaches you've you know and the the coaches and friends I know, and it's a small world. And um, you know, I I respect you know that you're just looking forward. You know, you look back at it at some point and and maybe if we do this again in 10 years, uh, if we're both still doing this in 10 years, then then maybe you'll have an answer for me. And you can yeah, say, I'll yeah, try to come up one. with a better answer then and see if I can come up with something better for you. All right, Coach. Hey, great uh, talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And, and I hope to see you out of the game very soon. Good luck against Wagner and the rest of the way. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you having me. All right, Chris Casey, interim head coach of Fairfield University. That is a guy who is as New York as New York could be. Were you surprised? Were you surprised when he said he was from Brooklyn? I knew he was from New York. I just didn't know, was it Brooklyn? Was it Staten Island? Was it Greenpoint? Where was it in Brooklyn, right? That was the only question. If he gets Alexis Yetna, Right. They lost Supreme Cook. Remember that Supreme Cook had a great year at Fairfield. Imagine if they had him and now Cook is doing his thing at Georgetown this year in a year of in, in an era of NIL. It's so hard to keep these guys. You know, you have to win now mentality. Right. And, and then try to recruit these guys at the end of the season. It's a long shot. You don't know how much you're going to get out of Alexis Yetna. He's been battling bad knees 
for two plus years now. He couldn't even get on the court last year and he's still not ready to get on the court. So that tells you 18, 20, 22, 24 months, right? He's still not getting better. So maybe he's getting better, but he's still not there. That's my point. So if Fairfield ever gets Alexis Yetna, you are putting a high major power forward into the Mac. Look out, Mac. Now, a team that is doing pretty well with what they have is St. Peter's. And you heard Coach Casey allude to it. He watched a little bit of their win over UMBC, Maryland, Baltimore County, who's always a good mid-major program. St. Peter's defeated them on Tuesday, 66-60. to Give it up for Latrell Reed, scoring a career-high 20. Bashir Mason's team has won three out of four, right? They won their two first games in Mac play, beating Niagara and Canisius. They lost to Duquesne, who's always a good team in the Atlantic 10. And then they battled UMBC and took care of them at Run Baby Run Arena. They are sitting at second in the MAC in defense allowed. Defense is how they're getting it done once again in Jersey City. They allow 64 and a half points a game. That is a team that knows what it needs to do. They're not a great shooting team. They are not a great scoring team. They need to defend you and hold you to 60 points or less. And that's exactly what they did. That is the formula. They beat UMBC 66 to 60. So as we close out or prepare to close out a couple of weeks left in the 2023 portion of the college basketball season, some interesting games coming up on tap. As teams wrap up their non-conference schedule, we'll keep our eye on Seton Hall this weekend as they go to Missouri and they try to see if they can get a big non-conference win because they're 0-4 and they don't want to go into Big East play 0-5 against non-conference teams. You have Sacred Heart up against it as they travel to Providence. Ryder playing Monmouth, a couple of old-school OG Northeast Conference teams, Ryder and Monmouth going at it. And of course, Fordham and St. John's going at it at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. And Iona and St. Joe's along with Wagner and Fairfield. So a lot of good local action going on Saturday and Sunday in the Tri-State. As always, thanks to our sponsor, NorthJerseyVipers.com. If you're looking for uh, your daughter or someone you know to play club softball, check them out, NorthJerseyVipers.com, and continue to spread the word about our podcast. Download us, subscribe to us, tell your friends about it. I appreciate you listening, as always, to this podcast. Happy holidays. We will see you again and talk to you again before Christmas. And as Hanukkah winds down, we'll have another episode for you next week. My name is Brian Dean Bellis. So long.